Hey, perhaps now would be a good time for a quick overview of Judith Thompson's famous article, A Defense of Abortion. Um, this is a very important article in philosophy, and uh, it's sort of a inspiration for bodily rights or bodily autonomy arguments for abortion. But um, as we will see, or as I will tell you, her position is a lot more subtle than um, the way the sort of typical anti-abortion extremists appeal to bodily autonomy. Um, she doesn't quite think it's as simple as what they say either. So um, the basic story is this. Um, the article's from 1971, and back then and even now, uh, many people think sort of uh, questions about abortion are simple and come down to this. Uh, is the fetus a person? Is the fetus a human being, meaning a human person? Um, everybody knows fetuses are biologically human organisms. So when asking, are they human beings, they're asking something different, which is like, are they a human person? And why would it be important to be a person or a human being? Well, then you have the right to life, it is said. And if uh, fetuses have the right to life, then aborting them would pretty much be wrong because the right to life would clearly be a stronger right than any other right the woman might have, um, except perhaps the right to life herself. So if there's a conflict with, you know, if the pregnancy continues, she will die, then abortion would be okay. But that would be sort of comparatively few and far between. Yeah, so anyway, people thought, <clears throat> well, if fetuses are persons with the right to life, abortion is clearly wrong. It's a simple slam dunk there. And um, I don't know if people were convinced by this long ago, but Thompson comes along and says, no, not so fast. You are assuming things about personhood and the right to life here that um, you really can't assume. So she makes this vivid with the, or she makes her point vivid um, about what follows from personhood and the right to life with a number of famous examples. And these are examples that are used to illustrate a principle that I will say in a moment. These are not cases that are meant to be analogous to pregnancy or similar to pregnancy or like pregnancy or worse, like exactly the same as pregnancy. That's not the point. Um, it's there's some vivid examples to illustrate a principle or some principles. So the first one is this. Uh, you wake up one day in a hospital back to back with a famous violinist and the Society of Music Lovers has kidnapped you because you and you alone have the right blood type uh, to filter the famous violinist's blood. And, um, you know, you didn't know this was going to happen. You didn't agree to this and you're a bit alarmed. And uh, they say, well, look, you know, sorry about this, but it's only nine months. You'll need to be here. After that, he will be fine. Um, <clears throat> so that's the case. And the question is this. Would it be, or questions are these, would it be okay for you to unplug from the violinist in this case? And many people are going to say, yes, it would. Suppose they're told, well, but remember, the violinist is a person and he has the right to life, right? People are still going to say, yeah, but it would still be okay to unplug. Why is that? Well, even though the violinist is a person and has a right to life, he does not have the right to use my body without consent. So the violinist, a person, has a right to life, but he doesn't have the right to the use of other people's bodies, even if he needs those bodies to live. So what does this mean? Well, in general, the right to life is not a right to other people's bodies, even if you need their body to live. So right to life is not a right to everything that you need for your life to continue um, living, you know. So that's the point, the initial point about the right to life. Right to life is not a right to everything you need to live. 
It is not a right to every other person's body, even if you need that person's body to live, or any person's body if you need that person to live. That's like the core point. She has other examples to make the point. Um, suppose you're sick, and what would heal you is a touch on your fevered brow by your favorite celebrity. Your favorite celebrity is on the other side of the country. Um, would it be okay to kidnap your favorite celebrity and bring them here um, on the grounds that you were sick and you need uh, their touch to save your life? Um, again, even though you're a person with the right to life, you do not have that right. So, again, the right to life is not a right to this celebrity's body. Um, those are the main cases. There's also the people seed case. Um, suppose it came about that reproduction happened by people seeds floating around in the air, and you don't want to have a child, you don't want to have a baby, so you, um, you know, make sure that nobody can get, get no people seeds are going to get into your house. Uh, but one gets in and roots and starts developing into a person. Do you have a right to remove that person's plant seed from your house? Yeah, you do. Why is that? Well, again, uh, the people seed had no right to be there, um, even though, as the story goes, the people seed is a person. So, these three cases help establish the general theme that the right to uh, being a person, having the right to life, does not include the right to other people's bodies. So, uh, you can apply this simply to abortion and say, like, well, even if the fetus is a person, even if it has the right to life, doesn't have the right to the woman's body. So, uh, it can be permissible for her to say, sorry, you gotta go, and the way she would do that would be abortion. Now, what's key here, again, is this principle. Um, and it's not... What's not, what isn't key is the claim that these cases are exactly the same, or they all like pregnancy, or they are equivalent to pregnancy. That is not the point. So um, that's often misunderstood. Now, how is this all different from what the standard sort of uh, bodily rights person, who I described as an extremist earlier, says? Well, one thing is this. One thing that gets thrown into the mix is uh, Thompson observes that just because you don't have the right to something doesn't mean that you couldn't be like obligated to provide it to somebody and even that it would be like vicious and mean and cruel and bad to not provide it so like what if the violinist only needed to use your kidneys for like five minutes five hours uh, and you can do that and save the violinist's rights or save the violinist's life well the violinist doesn't have the right to your kidneys we might think but still it would just be mean and cruel and uncaring to not help them out for five minutes so um, or five hours. So uh, I think uh, your contemporary anti-abortion extremist is going to say, no, you never have to help the violinist at all. And um, I have some other videos where I note that people describe this as sort of a pro-choice um, psychopathy because uh, you're not caring about other people at all. Um, but Thompson didn't have that because she advocated that she be good Samaritans. That was kind of like the basis of the cover of this book. So there's a, a little bit on this type of argument in this book, in our book, available freely at abortionarguments.com. Check it out. All right, this is a ridiculously long, long video. Maybe somebody will watch it. Maybe it'll be some value. Let me know. Shortcast Club.